Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. This one's another special one, and I'm not going to lie, they all are a little special in my heart, kind of like my children. I don't play favorites, but there's times when I just come across one and it just pulls at my heartstrings. I am going to be talking today with student doctor Carolina Vogel. She is a fourth-year medical student from my home state, Marion University College of Osteopathic Medicine, whoop, whoop, another future DO in the mix. And she brings the story of her experience of COVID. I just want to lift her up. I want to elevate her. She was actually introduced to me through the magic of the internet, but she came onto my podcast because of my partnership with AMWA, the American Medical Women's Association. So, Sit back, relax, check out our conversation, and then stick around afterwards for my kick of encouragement about using your voice. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Carolina Vogel. Hey, girl, it's great to have you on here. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, tell everybody out there in podcasting world a little bit about yourself. So uh, like you said, my name is Carolina. I'm currently at the end of my third year, beginning of my fourth year of medical school. It's gotten a little confusing with coronavirus. Um, So I have about a year of medical school left and I'm at Marion University in Indianapolis. I plan to apply to family medicine residency programs um, I'm passionate about women's health and health education. Um, I actually met you at the firm conference a couple years ago, which is the Finding Inspiration and Resilience Through Medicine conference that's put on in the Indianapolis area. So I care about um, wellness and mental wellness in medicine as well. And I'm excited to be here today. Well, I am so excited. It's great when it's full circle, when I get to meet people and then we like come back around into each other's worlds. I love the firm conference. I love getting up to Indianapolis and hanging out with all you young blood. It like invigorates me so much. And I'm just so excited to have you on here. One, because it's always great to have another DO woman. And two, there's not very often that I talk to other people in Indiana. So girl, you're like checking all my boxes today. Well, let's jump into your word a little bit and and why you came on the podcast to talk a little bit. So your word is daughter. Explain to everybody why you picked that. Yeah, so I picked daughter because the last few months have been kind of a roller coaster of emotions um, and also... Um, just kind of caused me to reflect on my identity as a daughter and a medical student and that kind of thing. Early on during this coronavirus pandemic, my mom got coronavirus and um, she ended up, she's a registered nurse, so they found out she contracted at work, but um, she ended up being put on a ventilator and being and staying on the ventilator for over 30 days. She needed a tracheostomy. She was in the hospital for almost 50 days just been kind of a crazy couple of months for us. So being a daughter um, and representing her well and supporting her and being a sister to my sister have been a big part of my life these past few months. Yeah, absolutely. Take us back to the very beginning. 
when all of the shit started going down here in Indiana in March and and give us a little bit of history about how you were doing and like when your mom first got sick. Yeah. So in mid-March, um, they ended up pulling medical students off rotations uh, just for safety. We're kind of just giant fomites in, the, in terms of the pandemic. So a couple of days before that, I had actually already stopped going to my rotation because I was sick. Um, they didn't have enough tests at the time in Indiana, and I wasn't ill enough to require a test. But I had negative flu swabs, and because of my symptoms, they said I should just presume I have coronavirus in quarantine. So I was home quarantining, and although it's the sickest I've ever been, um, I never got bad enough or short of breath enough to like go to the ER. And around the time that I was starting to get better, my mom started complaining that she was sick. I don't live with her, but she lives nearby to me. And uh, she started to feel ill and we kind of, my sister and I, her name's Meredith, we kind of just thought my mom was being dramatic. Uh, She's kind of a sassy and dramatic lady. Um, So we were like, oh, you're fine. Like, you don't even have a fever. It's okay. And then by the end of that first week of her being sick, she said she was so short of breath that she wanted to go to the hospital. So she went to the emergency room and they found pneumonia on her chest x-ray and her stats were in like the high 80s. So they decided to admit her with presumed COVID. Um, She had already gotten the swab a couple days before because she is a healthcare worker, but it wasn't back yet. So they didn't know for sure that she had coronavirus. And then she went to the hospital on a Saturday, was stable on just two liters of oxygen. And by Sunday night, she had deteriorated so rapidly that she was sedated and intubated and put on the ventilator. And then on Monday, her coronavirus test came back positive. Oh my so gosh. What was it like? Know, what was it fine. like trying to navigate, I mean, your mom being critically ill and like holding the other side of like the medical ease just running through your brain? Yeah, it was it was confusing and I tried to have as much sympathy and like understanding as possible for like the members of her healthcare team. Um, just because like, I would, I don't know fully cause I'm not a physician yet, but I tried to like imagine, you know, what they were going through. But then if she were to, like, sometimes she, she, there was a couple points in her um, hospitalization that she had setbacks, like she had a failed extubation and that kind of thing. And I, and my sister and I were, were very frustrated, like, with her care. And so I was trying to, like, balance, like, understanding where they're coming from and, and scientifically understanding they are following the standard of care um, and doing the best things they, you know, that they thought that they could do for her. Um, but then it was just, for me, my emotional brain won out some of the time because I would, it's my mom. So I just, I tried to be as balanced as possible but it's definitely hard to stay objective when you care a lot about the person that um, is on the ventilator. Oh, girl. Absolutely. And I know that through those 30 days, like you said, there were some setbacks. Was she in a hospital that you rotated at? No, she wasn't. And I actually, I actually have a rotation coming up there in a couple of months, you know, pending um, or back in the hospitals. Um, but no, I had never been there before. And I didn't really personally know the physicians. So I kind of <laughs> am a little nervous to be at the hospitals now if I, if they were to recognize my name or, you know, whatever. But they were all really, they really tried to educate me and like make sure like once I would tell them like that I was a medical student, 
explain things that maybe I didn't know yet or understand and take that into consideration, which I felt was an advantage over other patients' families who may not have any type of medical knowledge and be trying to, you know, from a distance, understand what the situation their family member is in looks like at that time. Yeah, absolutely. But I hopefully they were not pimping you for answers. Because if you were, they were, I'm gonna have to go up to Indianapolis and kick some butts. <laughs> there were a couple times like that I didn't fully understand ARDS, and they were asking <laughs> asking me like, "Well, don't you know this?" And I'm just like, "No, I, if I did, I forgot it. <laughs> it all went out the window when it was my mom." But um, holy shit, of I course, it all does. <laughs> I tried. I mean, there was one day where the doctor was like, well, you'll just, you'll, when I call you back tomorrow, you'll write up on this. And I was like, uh, no. Oh my God. <laughs> but for the most part, they're pretty like educational and uh, kind interactions. So. Well, that's good. I, I hope that for you. And so tell our audience, what was it that helped get you, your sister, your mom through all this? So we had a lot of support from family members and friends about two days after my mom got put on the ventilator. I think it was because she had stopped replying to text messages. Um, she had friends like posting on her wall, like, Oh, we're praying for you. You've got this. And they didn't necessarily know she was on the ventilator yet. I think they were just assuming she was sick. And they already knew she was in the hospital. But because of that, we started to get like more inquiries about like how she was doing and like what was going on. So my sister and I decided to start posting about her journey on Facebook. And we had to make those posts public so that her like colleagues, friends, um, maybe extended family could see them. And some of the posts kind of uh, blew up a little bit. Like we were contacted by local news stations because my mom was a nurse and because we were, you know, sharing emotional content that like, I guess, pulled at people's heartstrings, the news like really wanted to share it with uh, the community. And so we said yes to a couple of interviews and did those. And in those, we always tried to throw in like that because she was a nurse, she would want to make sure her colleagues were protected and had adequate PPE. And then she would want, you know, lay people to know that like, this is why they should stay home um, and try to flatten the curve. So we tried to do like a little bit of grassroots public health work there. But through that, we got a lot of support, kind messages, prayers, all that kind of thing from her friends and family, which I think was very helpful to both of us. We both felt very at peace during this whole journey because we felt like whatever happened was supposed to happen. And I think that that a lot of that had to deal with all the people that were reaching out to us and letting us know that they were thinking about us and, you know, offering to help if they could. So I would say definitely the support of the community was monumental and instrumental in how we handled it. Yeah, absolutely. And how was it that AMWA was specifically supporting you guys? Yeah, so I have a really um, awesome mentor in AMWA. She's actually a mentor to a lot of young female uh, medical students and physicians. Her name is Dr. Roar Kirchgraber. And she had been, she called me one day because she heard from another medical student that I had been sick with COVID and she wanted to make sure that I was better and like doing all right. And so during that phone call, I told her that, you know, I had healed up, but that my mom was actually on the ventilator. 
And after that, she, you know, continued to check in more regularly and she really encouraged me. I'd written a couple of papers with her before, but she had really encouraged me to write about my story if I felt comfortable. And then one particular day, um, after my mom had had a setback, I just kind of sat down and wrote about everything that had happened so far. And it was like really cathartic for me. And so I sent it to her and I was like, you know, this is kind of rough. Um, but if you think AMWA can use it, you know, you're welcome to make some changes and, you know, we can go from there. And, um, she sent it to like the AMWA PR department for a blog post, but AMWA felt that it needed a larger audience. So they sent it on to some other, I guess, media sources and it ended up getting picked up by the mighty. Um, but they, AMWA felt that the story, um, was important for people to read and hear about. So they've been incredibly supportive in that way. And I've still gotten messages since then from the higher ups at Yamaha asking, um, you know, how my mom's doing at this point in her journey. So I think that, you know, that relationship with my mentor and then just she believes in sponsorship, which is like when you see someone and you think that they can do something like giving them that opportunity to do it. And I think that her and Yamaha really, you know, encouraged me through those experiences to continue like sharing with people publicly about what was happening and trying to educate people a little bit more in coronavirus and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. I got a story on Dr. Rourke. It's Gerber in a minute, but what I was going to say is that just the bravery to step out and to talk about this, you, I know how I am at times. Like I, I want people to know, but then when this, this starts happening and like big news sources start contacting you, then it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And I think that you were able to present your story so well because of all the support and, and because it was done in a good nature. You know what I mean? It wasn't like you and your sister were like out there trying to fish for publicity. It was like, no, this is mm. what's really going. And I know that it had a big impact in Indiana. I mean, even down here in the South, we were talking about like, see, this is, this is real. This is important. This is, we've got to take this seriously. And I think it really helped change Indiana's response for flattening the curve. So I want to just give you like a huge virtual air high five and say, I am so proud of you. And it's just so amazing the stuff that you have done. Well, thank you. I It's really great to hear that because I think that that was especially early on, one of our concerns that people would be like, oh, you're, you know, exploiting the situation or like, did you really want to be on the news or like that kind of thing. Um, and we also, of course, were saying, you know, I think our mom would want this, but she was unconscious. <laughs> so it was definitely also a big relief when she woke up and was like so grateful that we did that. And, you know, she'll still, she obviously, I mean, I guess not obviously, but understandably, she's pretty polarized about this coronavirus situation. And she'll still just be like, I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe people are refusing to wear masks. Or I can't believe that these people like really just are wanting to get haircuts so badly. Like it just doesn't make sense to her because of what she's been through. And she's very scared about getting sick again and um, definitely has some, I think, trauma, understandably, to work through. So it's it's very beneficial to hear that from someone else. It's encouraging for sure. Yeah, I'm just proud of you for using your voice even when it shakes. That's one of my mantras that, you know, that there's power in our stories and there's power in our voice. And, and you guys just took it to the hilt. And I'm just, I'm so excited to put it on the podcast and tell everyone about it. Okay, back to my story <laughs> about Dr. Rohr um, Kitzgerber. So if you're in the state of Indiana and you're a female physician, like you need to know Teresa. 
because she will push you up <laughs> to the stars. And recently yeah. I was, I've known her for a couple of years and she's like, Erin, you need to do a poster presentation. You need to submit some research on what you're doing with physician wellness. And I'm like, ah, what I do is like soft science. I don't have any like numbers and data. And she's like, come on, come on, come on. And she actually got me to write a poster presentation about this podcast. And I will put a link in the show notes, but it's got data and shit. It's got pictures. I'm so proud of it. I haven't been able to present it yet because of all the conferences that have gone um, virtual and, you know, haven't been able to hang up the big piece of paper, but I just got to give a big shout out to Dr. Roar Kurt Graber because she's just doing amazing work in, in our area of the world. And She's an amazing, amazing woman. And she's actually the person behind this AMWA Spotlight series where I'm talking to female physicians specifically who are in AMWA because she's so passionate about it. Well, Carolina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and hanging out with me in Indiana. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was exciting. your kick of encouragement for the day. So telling my burnout story feels like second nature now. At this point, my six-year-old could probably give you the rundown on how mommy went from burnt out to badass, finding a coach, quitting medicine, starting her podcasting, being a life coach, and hanging out in the hot tub with him. (laughs) But for a long time, I was living that story. And for a while after that, I was scared of haters. I'll be perfectly honest. But what made it easier was seeing how it transformed the people around me. Yes, there are haters in the world, but there are also a whole lot of lovers in the world. I mean, hell, just go look at the reviews on my podcast. Nine out of 10 of them, you all love me and I love you back. But that one in 10 that leaves a comment, you know, I just have to look at them and be like, okay, my story doesn't resonate with you, but that shouldn't stop me from telling it. Because guess what? Your story has power and it helps other people like you feel seen. That's why I'll keep sharing this story over and over again. That's why I've named my course From Burnt Out to Badass. And that's why I'm going to encourage you to use your voice. Use it until it gets hoarse. Use it even though it shakes. Use it until your story changes and then change your story with it. You know, my friend, I just ask you, what is your story and how can you tell it? Because guess what? There's a lot of us lovers out here who really want to hear it. If you're interested in connecting more about telling your story in a safe place, I really encourage you, check out my Patreon group. We are a small but mighty group. We are starting to get more bonus episodes in there and starting to have great conversations and being seen and being heard and standing up and using our voice even when we feel like we need to be on a beta blocker. So come over and hang out with me. It's patreon.com backslash first. So I'm going to leave you with that kick of encouragement. Use your voice. I want to hear it. There's other people who want to hear it in the world and haters be damned. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.
limbs and heavy lids. One, two, three. 